Today we're talking to Ho's newest chairman, Vinay Patel. Everyone knows Ahoa members are major economic contributors in virtually every community. We're going to find out how the organization plans to get more involved in state and local governments. We're going to hear Vinay's vision for 2022 and learn more about the next generation of Ahoa members. Thanks for joining. Oh, Vinay Patel, thank you for joining me today. Uh, you're a good friend. We've been friends a long time. Uh, and now you're chairman of AHOA. So, I mean, I feel honored to be speaking with the chairman of AHOA, big man from, from little guy to now BMOC. Thanks for joining me today, my friend. I, I don't know if I'm the big, it's an honor for me to talk to you, uh, especially after so many years of friendship and all that you've done for the industry. So it's an honor for me. And I'm glad to be here uh, to discuss what's going on in the industry overall. Uh, your conference, AHOA conference was incredible. Dallas, a few a month ago, uh, 6,000. What was the final tally? Bunch of people. That's impressive in this world. Yeah, the total count came at 6,274, somewhere right in that range there. So that's the number of badges that were picked up at the conference. It wasn't that, that many, we had that many registered, but that's the number of badges that were physically picked up at the desk there. So, you know, it was a great conference, obviously going into it. All, all of us were very nervous about what, how we're going to execute something this big. Uh, and, and obviously, you've been to the AHOA conferences in the past. It's not an uh, it's not an easy um, thing to tackle when you have that large of a crowd. Uh, but overall, when I look back at it, you know, it executed really well. I think the block party was a great event for all the members. Yeah. The welcome reception was a great time, and some we had some great content there as well. So, you know, it, it turned out really well for us, and I think it, our membership really enjoyed the conference. I thought Texas Live was great. I, I thought there was a bunch of young young attendants. I was very impressed with. Nice to have youth in the uh, industry and in the in the membership. So yeah, that was that, yeah, that was one of the key takeaways from myself as well. Uh, you know, in the past, uh, there was a lot of older first generation hoteliers. This time around, I felt like there was a lot of second and third generation hoteliers there. And I can tell because in the morning at the general session, not a lot of people showed up. So <laughs> they were all there at Texas Live, but at the at the evening receptions. But in the morning time, it was a little bit on the light side there. But I think uh, overall, it was a great event for everybody here. It was a very social time, but a very social event. We'll learn, educate ourselves later. All right, I'm going to get into that. I'm going to ask you about your future plans with AHOA uh, eventually. But before that, you know you know me. I love getting people's stories, and yours is, is just as good as the rest. And it's kind of the joy of AHOA, right? There's 6,000 or, heck, 20,000 now members. There's 20,000 individual stories. I know they're all similar, but I still love hearing them. So humor me, if you would. Give me your yeah. story. Give me the Vinay Patel story. Yeah, my story is pretty typical to everybody else. Uh, you know, my parents migrated here back in the 80s. Uh, myself, my brother, and my parents, four people, you know, migrated here. And it's typical where my parents got borrowed money from friends and family to buy a small motel out in North Carolina. And then we ended up eventually moving down to Richmond, Virginia. And so we ran a small motel. My parents ran a small, small motel while we were there together. Uh, you know, so I helped out with housekeeping. I helped out with front desk. I helped out with everything out there. And, uh, and these motels used to run, you know, almost what, 100, 120% occupancy. And so we just did rooms and clean rooms. And, you know, it was one of the most humbling experiences for me personally. When I look back at that part there, that time period was really, really humbling for me because I really got a chance to engage and see and talk and just kind of learn. And I think that's what kind of makes me who I am today. Uh, just going back at how, how those, how the, you know, experiences that we had at the small motel. So I really like it and I really enjoyed it. You know, right after that, I, I have a college degree here. So right after that, I got married. And then my wife and I said, hey, look, we're going to go into hospitality business anyway. So we had a small motel that my parents had. So we and her ran that hotel. Uh, it was a 15-room motel for two years. We ran it for two years. It was Are a great you newlyweds running this, new, this hotel? 
Yeah, it was a newlyweds. And remember, we did desk every day. And, and I hate to say this here, you trying to do night audit at a 15-room hotel is not an easy easy task as a newlywed. So you know, it was not easy. Uh, but again, like I said, it was, again, along the way for me, I've been blessed and lucky that I've been have, you know, been able to get a lot of different experiences under me. And so it was a perfect room size, you know, 15 rooms. We used to clean rooms in the morning, two o'clock, three o'clock, whatever laundry was done. After three o'clock, we were free. And then so we, you know, we were at the desk all day long. But, you know, after two years of that, we said, hey, look, I'm college educated. She grew up here and she's educated here as well. And say, hey, look, this is just we cannot do this forever and ever. We wanted to kind of grow. And so we ended up uh, buying a property out at a land out in uh, Stafford, Virginia, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. And even there we struggled. You know, we bought the parcel. We were looking to do a 60 room motel back then, a hotel back then. Um, and it was, it was difficult for us to get brands. Uh, all the major brands were either, you know, AOP was in, encroaching on this particular side or they just didn't have enough availability and a lot of different things that kind of precluded us from getting some of the major brands there. And then we ended up getting a, a country in suites. Uh, I was looking for a franchisor and they were looking for a franchisee, obviously, to grow the system. And we were the 59th property for them in the, in the system. And then we were the first country in suites in Virginia. And so that really kind of started me in the sense of the branded hotels. You know, after that, I moved up to Northern Virginia in Fairfax, D.C. area, bought another country. In, and after that, it's just a story. You know, we just bought it, sold it, bought it, sold it, and then uh, equity. And now, right now, we own and operate 12 hotels in the metro D.C. area. Nothing in D.C., but metro D.C. area. Uh, and it's been a great journey. It's been a great journey to where I'm at right now. I love it. What, what do you see as your personal future? You know, I'm old. I've got two kids that are older. I've got a 26-year-old and I've got a 21-year-old. So as far as looking ahead after the whole career, I'm going to kind of take a month or two off and just kind of look at myself and see what I really want to do. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of different experiences from the smallest to the biggest, but now I'm going to sit back and see what else I can do here. So the future, we don't know. We don't know you yet. You think your kids want to join the business? You know, they've expressed interest in it. And so what I've told both of them, I go, look, you got to get out there and, and bump around. One of the things that I do regret in life is that I never had a boss. Uh, ever since young, I've never, ever had a boss over the last 30 years in the career here. So I said, look, get out there and see and what, and you know, kind of feel the feeling of hospitality, whatever. It could be a different industry altogether. Uh, but I think both of them eventually will come back to the industry. They've expressed strong interest in coming back, especially when they go to the conferences, you know, I, I said, look, the conferences are not all fancy and everything is the hotel industry is not all fancy and party and this and that you really got to get out there and work. But I think so far they like what they see. Uh, they'll get there. And with their father's help, I don't know. I think <laughs> bosses are overrated. Uh, all right. So what made you decide to, to get on the AHOA path to get involved, to become run for treasurer and eventually become chairman? What yeah. made you decide to do that? You know, I still remember my first AHOA conference back in 1993. Uh, it, it was out in Atlanta, and I was probably, what, 23, 24 years old at the time, and I was at a small motel. Like I said, me and my wife were running the small 15-room motel. And I still remember, I mean, you know, uh, we were tasked with doing stuff like putting together a map of hotel owners along Interstate 95 or whatever, so we can kind of engage with each other. And I've been kind of involved in the association since then. I mean, as far as not even involved as in, in committee levels or anything like that, we're just taking advantage of all the things that the association has to offer, you know, whether it be education. So every month we used to get the magazine, I used to read other magazines to learn how to fix an AC or this or that, or learning different ways to manage customers and whatever else is out there. So I use a lot of that platform and even go into the conventions, the networking events, and just talking to a lot of different people 
And then, you know, just bumping around and, and then when you talk about networking, obviously that's probably one of the most important things the association does. And meeting different people is how I kind of really grew, uh, you know, going to the different conferences, meeting people like yourselves and whomever else is out there, and then just learning from each other is how I really, really grew. And so I felt like, you know, the, the AHO has given me so much over the last 20, 30 years in my career that what an opportunity for me to kind of go back and, and, and get involved as a board member. And then after that, you know, the secretary position was available and, you know, I said, hey, look, I think I can make a difference here, use the skills that I have for the association from a long-term perspective. And then I ended up being uh, a secretary and then obviously now I'm the chair. So it's been a very good experience. Uh, as you know, whole members, they're all up and down and all kinds. And you talk about a broad spectrum of uh, membership uh, you have here, but it's been a very, very interesting experience for me to kind of get through that. Yeah. All right. So give me your vision. What's your vision for 2021, 22 for AHOA? Your, you know, your, your legacy. Yeah. You know, the thing is that the, the association obviously transformed a lot over the last six months. Uh, you know, pandemic has really taken a, a toll on the association and the industry as a whole. You know, we've all come back, uh, coming back from this uh, pandemic, coming looking at things through a different lens. And I think looking ahead for the association, we got a lot of work to do. Like, you know, our membership has been hurting. Our industry as a whole has been hurting. Of course, there's pockets that are doing better than others, but I think overall uh, we're hurting. And so we got to kind of get back to the path that we wanted to, what we should have been back in 2019. And so what I envision is kind of restore the faith in the association too. You know, you, know, you see a lot of chatter out there, oh, this, that, this, that. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, we got to restore that faith of the association, kind of get back on track as to what is in the best interest of hotel ownership, you know, owners who are having all kinds of issues, whether it be vendor issues, whether it be franchise issues, whether it be uh, revenue issues, education issues, whatever it is, I think we've got a lot of opportunity to kind of fix and turn around or even continue to, you know, improve on what we've done over the last 20 years. How much of that do you think is going to be what I call political? I mean, I know you've expressed interest in getting involved in state and local uh, really trying to help the the hotelier. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, advocacy, uh, political advocacy is, is still a major pillar for the association. Uh, we've come a long way. Uh, I still remember years ago when I used to go advocate on the behalf of the association, we used to go talk to uh, congressional leaders and they wouldn't even know what a HOA is. We had to kind of explain to them what it is. And today when you go out there, uh, they know what a HOA is, even from a state legislature. You need to talk about when I advocate on the state level, people know that, you know, that the AHOA membership owns a lot of hotels. And so we cannot let it go to waste. I think we've come a long way. So I think that continues. Uh, I think it'll, it'll be better and bigger and better uh, in terms of the advocacy on the advocacy front, because our membership wanted and it needed. And I think our industry needs it as well. And, you know, working alongside AHLA, I think AHLA has done a great job on the advocacy side. And I think they've got their strengths. We've got our strengths and how, you know, how we should all work together in the sense of making sure we use each other's strengths to make sure that we move this industry forward. And there's obviously a relationship there with Chip, right? Former chairman of, of AHOA or president of AHOA now over at HNLA. So you guys are very close there. So I agree. I mean, let, you just did a report that just came out, the Oxford study uh, that said, what, 60% of all hotels are owned by AHOA members. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, in the past, you know, even from a, not only from an advocacy perspective, you know, we used to say, hey, look, AHOA owns 50, 60% of a hotel. So it's like Vinay Patel saying that. It's not like a third party company literally kind of backing up what we're saying. And so we ended up engaging Oxford uh, Economics to do a study on the on the AHOA membership and say, hey, look, how much do we really own? Do we really own 50? We own 60? Do we, what percentage of hotels that are owned by Asian Americans? And kind of the economic impact, whether it be labor to the GDP impact and just see what kind of impact we have. And then so the, econo the study came back with some significant numbers. I mean, you know, in Texas, for example, 
over 89% of hotels that are owned by AHOA members. Uh, Arkansas, 89.6% of hotels are owned by AHOA members. So I actually fell off the chair that when I heard that story, I'm like 89% of hotels, and especially in a big state of Texas, uh, owned by AHOA members. And that's amazing. So I said, are you sure this is proper? Does this make sense to me? And it's, are you sure? And, and they said it's margin of within 1%. Uh, and obviously, you've got a reputable firm behind it. And so that, I think, is going to be an amazing story for us to look and look forward, whether it be on the advocacy side or whatever side we can have, uh, that we go out there and advocate uh, that we can say that, hey, look, this is a significant percentage of ownership from the AHOA membership. And then if you try to take it down to the granular level, so we're obviously looking ahead in the next uh, couple of months, we're asking Oxford to kind of get it down to the granular level. So but county by county, state by state, obviously, but county by county and say, hey, look, this is what we own. So when we you know, advocate, whether it be city council, whether it be a town council, or whether it be a, a, a county or whatever, whether it be occupancy tax impacts these uh, this counties here, we can go and say, hey, look, we own this much amount of hotels. So I think you need to kind of at least give us some time attention in terms of when you do changes in terms of policy or whatever. So I think that we've got some good opportunity, some good data here for us to use towards uh, advocating on the behalf of the hotel owners. I think that's incredible and brilliant. So cheers to you, because I think for so long, we felt like we didn't have a voice and it's easy for a city council or whomever to, oh yeah, let's just tax the hotels and the rental cars because that's an out of town or that's not our constituents who vote for us. So let's just tax them. Ah, who cares about the hotels? Yeah. So now you got yeah. a voice that you're putting up saying, whoa, 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 hold on. We care. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, like I said, in the past, I, I myself, we used to advocate on a local level. Yeah, we've got 10 hotels, but I don't know who all, whatever. And, and then not only the number of hotels, but the economic impact, right? GDP or the number of people we uh, employ or the tax revenue that we're actually you know, we're paying, you know, all these kind of data is there. So we can say, hey, look, we occupy this many thousands of jobs or we uh, have this many jobs for our people that work for us or this much impact on the GDP. So I think that's the kind of data that's going to be really impactful when we start talking and advocating on the behalf of owners. I, I love it. Uh, though, let me ask, uh, what's your thoughts on the current levels of government assistance? I mean, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but you want more, you want less? What are your you know, thoughts? Yeah, you know, the thing is that the government assistance, if it wasn't for the government assistance, I don't think any of us would have survived or many of us would not have survived. I know I, even in my own case, looking back at my hotels, whether it be the EIDL loans to the PPP funding or whatever else has been out there, that really has been a band-aid approach to kind of get us to where we're at today. And so really kind of put, helped us. And I think that we would have a lot more hotels in much worse distress if we hadn't been for these government relief here. You know, looking ahead, I think that you got to look at it in, in, a, in, a, in a very uh, broad way and say, hey, making sure that, hey, look, does it make sense for us? Uh, I think there's pockets that are done a good job. I mean, the leisure market is back up and, you know, doing probably better than 2019 numbers, but the corporate travel is still far behind. Uh, and, and so I, I've been telling people that, hey, look, you know, the occupancy is slowly back. Even at my hotels, when you have a lot of corporate travel, airport hotels, the occupants is back in the 50s, 60s percent. But the biggest challenge has been the rate. Uh, and so what I used to charge back in 2019, for example, if the average rate was 150, today the average rates dropped down to 90 or $100. So you're talking about a one third of revenue still out of the pockets of these hotel owners. So there's still a long way for us to go when it comes to returning back to normal. And so to answer your question, as far as federal assistance, you know, Whatever is available, we'll take. I know that uh, right now there's a lot of different things and the industry as a whole uh, got a long way to go, but I think that uh, whatever we can get in terms of federal advocacy, federal help uh, would help. So and we all know labor is a big issue. Talk to me about your thoughts on labor. You know, labor has been a challenge even prior to 2019, right? And I think this, obviously this time around is further makes it even worse. 
Uh, and what makes it even harder is that you can't find labor. And then on top of that, you have to motivate the existing labor that you have. Uh, and the fact that there's pressure on you as a, as a hotelier because you're not making the revenues that you used to make back in 2019. Uh, so labor is, is a challenge. I think it's a big, it was a challenge before, it's a challenge now. But the key takeaway, I think, that is that for most hoteliers, we, we, need, we all need to kind of learn that, hey, look, labor is a very important component of our business. So, you know, we, we just can't treat it as an expense item. We got to treat it as a different way and say, hey, look, we've got to be able to motivate, manage, uh, help, and whatever you can do in terms of labor, because without people that work at your hotels, the hotels cannot function. And so I think that what I've learned over the last 18 to 24 months is that, uh, you know, labor is a critical component of your hotel. And then if you don't take care of it, if you don't motivate, if you don't manage them properly, it's just not going to work. And it really is going to be more expensive in the long run to keep rehiring new people compared to keeping the ones that you have already. Do you, do you think we end up with, I don't know, outsourcing companies? I mean, I think that's the trick, right? How are we going to, I mean, I won't ask you how many rooms you've cleaned over the last uh, 12 months, but uh, what, what do you think the future that keeps looking like? You know, outsourcing is, is, is there. We've, all, we've looked at a couple of options even on our own side, um, but it's hard. I mean, I, I think that's more of a short-term solution for now. Uh, I think the long-term solution for all hoteliers, probably all businesses, is to be able to manage your staff that you have, uh, whether it benefits to motivating to whatever else. I think that's a long-term solution. I think there's short-term solutions, okay, temporary staff to you know third-party companies to whatever. That's probably a short-term solution to kind of get us through this year. But I think we, uh, as an industry, need to focus and making sure that this industry is a highlighted industry. I mean, I hate to say this year, you know, even my own kids. I mean, I'm in the hospitality business. Maybe I've got a little bit of a bias, but. I don't say, oh, well, they're going to say you're going to be a doctor or an attorney or an engineer or something like that, but nobody's going to grow up and say, look, I want to be a hotelier. I mean, and you look at the, even the whole membership, uh, they're all accidental hoteliers. They were not intending to be a hotelier when they came here, when they, when they grew up here. So I think we need to kind of do a better job from a long-term perspective to make sure that this industry is a industry that people can really do a lot of different things. And, and, and I tell this to me, I'm involved with the uh, Virginia Tech Hospitality School. And I tell the kids, I go, look, you know, the one thing about the hospitality industry as a whole is that you can do a lot of different things. If you like accounting, there's a role for accounting for you in the industry. If you like marketing, there's a role for you in the marketing side. If you like engineering or if you like uh, fixing things, there's a role for you in maintenance. So I think that this industry kind of gives us a lot of flexibility who wants to come in. And we need to kind of highlight that to the new people coming into the industry and, you know, started not only at the college level, high school level, or even middle school level, said, look, this is a great industry to be in. It's a fun industry to be in. You can explore a lot of different things here. And it's a great opportunity. And, and I know that people may say you might not make any money, but hey, the industry really now these days, hiring a GM, front desk or whatever, they're not cheap. And we're, we're you know, having to pay a lot of money. And so I think there's money involved, a good amount of salaries that you earn as, as an industry in the hospitality industry as well over the long run. Uh, keep talking about the, the 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 next generation, or at least the young. I mean, part of what I think is a beautiful part of AHOA, I know it also adds its complications, but we have that original generation of your father and my father, then we have us, and then we have the next generation coming through, uh, which I think is, again, is amazing. But what's it like, and how are you going to keep everybody happy in your in your current position? Yeah, you know, the thing is that as, as when, we were talk, when we were planning for the convention, I go, we got three different segments. You got the first generation hoteliers who want something else, the second generation wants something else, and the third generation wants something else. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I'm extremely excited, especially coming back from Dallas, the generation that's, you know, the, the third generation that's coming out in terms of uh, the hotel industry, 
they're smart kids. Uh, you know, I, I, I even at the Hunter Conference, you know, a lot of these younger uh, home members are there and I've seen them there. And these are some smart young men and women here. And so I think they will take this industry to a different level that I would have, we would have never even imagined. And I think that these guys are some smart people that can really take it to a different level here. And so, and sometimes, you know, look, when you're young, you're going to enjoy, obviously naturally that's part of life and you should enjoy and nothing wrong with that. And so sometimes the perception is that, Hey, look, these guys are partying it up too much or this or that. But along with that, I got to give them credit. These guys are some smart people. And then, you know, from an industry perspective, from, you know, when you look at a Yahoo membership, you know, before they used to be people, they used to own one hotel and 100% ownership. Then you look at next generation, okay, let's uh, diversify and get more partners in there. Now you're looking at institutional investing, institutional money. So, you know, the, 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 as the generations get into the industry, they're looking at, diff looking at different options in terms of building and growing the network of hotels here. So I'm excited. I mean, I think it's a, and there's a lot of opportunity for a lot of these younger uh, hoteliers to get out and do a lot of different things in the industry. And you talk about boutique hotels, you talk about all the different types of hotels that are out there. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things. And as generations come, different things will come. I and mean, we don't even know what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Well, for these guys, what they'll come up with. So, you know, it's an exciting time, uh, you know, to try to be in the industry, especially if you're a younger person. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to what they can come up with. I will, I totally agree. And I will say, when I was at the convention, I mean, the, the amount of young professionals that were coming up to me and, I mean, one, thanking me for doing the Teague Talks. I think that's the audience, by the way. They all watch. I mean, my father doesn't watch. You probably don't watch. But they're all, and what I hear is they're just hungry for information and connections and listening to these conversations. And they're all watching, whether it's on the car ride in the morning or on a Peloton bike or on a walk, they got the AirPods in. Uh, and and I, I'm so encouraged because I'm a believer in the next generation. I think they're coming. And kudos to you guys that they're in leadership positions. They're not just there. I mean, Mirage is coming through and a bunch of them are coming through. Are, they, are you calling me old because I don't watch a show? I think you are. I think I did. I think I did. I think I did. Uh, no, you're right. And, and, you know, if you look at the officer group from the horse, I, you know, I've got right. Neil and uh, Mirage who are younger. And, and, and it's amazing. And I hate to say this year, we just had a board meeting last week here in D.C. And, and those guys really kind of kept me in check. Uh, and, you know, kept me in the check in the sense of, hey, did you do this year? Did you do that here? Can we do this year? Do that. And so, uh, again, like I said, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the people that I have behind me. Uh, you know, I think they're very smart uh, young men, young men that are the officers that we have behind me. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where they come up with some very unique stuff and different things that I would have never, ever thought of. And so I think that, you know, even the younger people that are watching the show, uh, you know, they should be excited. I mean, I'd be excited. And I tell my kids as well, like, look, I wish I was 21, 22 and starting this industry now. I know it may seem daunting at the moment just because of the fact that you've gone through a very difficult period over the last 18 months. But, you know, we, we all have short-term memories. Uh, I still remember 2008 and nine thinking, hey, this is the worst, you know, 20, 30% down, uh, you know, what's going to happen? And yet we came right back. September 11th, the same thing, you know, was really the, the bottom of the bottom, at least for me personally, uh, from a hotel side. And all of a sudden we came back. So these are ups and downs. And I think this is probably one of the worst ones we've ever expected. That's what I thought, you know, back in 20, 2009. And then we came back up. So I think that for the younger generation that's in the hospitality industry, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great. And I wish I was younger and watching your show more often. Uh, well, it's always difficult, right? Everyone thinks their time is the hardest. I mean, I don't know. Would any of us want to go uh, back and start a 42-room motel with money that we borrowed from friends that may or may not have worked? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And so, uh, and that's the thing. So, you know, generations change and what's out there. 
every decade or every time period that you kind of measure, uh, there's a lot of different opportunities, a lot of challenges, but I think there's opportunities that come about from this sort of stuff. All right, give me your, give me your goals for the first 100 days of your chairmanship. What are we going to accomplish? You know, I got to survive the travel. Uh, but more importantly, you know, we've got a lot of regional meetings coming up over the next uh, 60 to 90 days. Uh, I think just talking and engaging to members and reassuring them, hey, look, AHOA is there for them. AHOA is there for them in terms of every way possible. So we're there for them. Uh, and then also on the uh, office side, staff side, you know, obviously, you know that we've got an interim president CEO right now. A lot of changes from the office structure in Atlanta and also in D.C., kind of stabilize a lot of that as well over the next 100 days. So those are probably the two main goals uh, in terms of what we can do. I think probably priority one would be to stabilize the, uh, the staff and, the, and everything in Atlanta, uh, making sure that everything's stable. Because, because without them, we or me or the board cannot do what we need to do, right? And so I think that's probably priority one. And priority two would be to making sure they're restoring the faith of the association to the membership side. Uh, you're going to accomplish it all. You're the best. You're, you're incredible. You got my support, not that it matters. But you got my support. Vinay, Thank thanks you. so much for joining me on this. I think it's important. Um, big pat on the back for what you're doing for the association, for the industry. I think it matters. You got to be a voice for all of us. So on behalf of 20,000 members, uh, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you to you as well. You know, yourself and Lee and all of you guys from the Hunter side has really been instrumental for me as well. I still remember coming to my one of my first uh, Hunter conference, probably what, 10, 15 years ago. I don't even know how long it's been. Uh, but I learned a lot and, uh, and there's been some, I met, met a lot of different people at that time. So I appreciate for what you've done for the industry as well. And I appreciate for the fact that we're all together on this, uh, on this industry. So thank you. I, amazing industry with amazing people. And we got to keep coming together. The Zoom stuff is great. Podcast fine, but we got to keep coming together. So exactly. we can't wait. Hunter Conference 2022, AHOA Con 2022. Here we come. Exactly. All righty. I'll see you later. Thanks for today.